Hello, welcome. You're listening to Feed, Play, Love, a bite-sized parenting podcast. This episode is Helpline with Mothercraft nurse extraordinaire, Chris Minogue. If she can't help you, nobody can. I'm Siobhan Hunt. Hello and welcome to Feed, Play, Love and this episode of Helpline with Mothercraft nurse Chris Minogue. Chris joins us every Friday live to answer all of your questions, whether it be uh, how to settle your baby, baby through the night. We get lots of those. Yep. Um, always welcome to call about whatever problems you're having. And it also could do with food in terms of um, starting your baby on solids or perhaps you're weaning your baby. All of those questions, family dynamics. Now is your time to ask Chris your questions. Hello, Chris. Welcome. Thank you. Uh, so Chris has over 30 years experience. She's also author of a book called Bringing Baby Home. So um, she knows what she's talking about. Now, the ways you can get in touch with us, there are many. If you're watching us live via Facebook, you can put your comment below there. Or you can call us if you're watching us live on one 800 And um, if you're listening to this podcast on the Monday, you can email us at helpline at parentbrand.com.au and we will answer your questions in the next episode of Helpline. So let's start off today's episode with a question from Belinda. She has an almost three-year-old, a little boy. He's had his dummy for sleep since he was about two weeks old. He is completely dependent on it for sleep along with a special teddy that he cuddles. I've only ever seen him fall asleep without it a handful of times in the car, never in bed, but we've never actually tried. He only has it for sleep and he knows he's not allowed to take it off his bed. But he does also look for it for comfort at times, particularly if he's sick or sad. My question is, do I need to actively wean him from it at some point or will he naturally lose interest himself? Last week, I spoke to him about growing up and not needing the dummy anymore. And he became quite emotional and extra clingy to his dummy for a few days after uh, wanting to sit in the bed and be with it more. I'm happy to let him have his dummy if he needs it for now. But if it's something he's not going to self-wean, I'd rather get it over and done with sooner rather than later. If it is something I need to actively wean him from, how do you recommend going about it? So generally, Belinda, you have to actively wean them from a dummy. Otherwise, they would take it to kindergarten with them and high school and the way they go (laughs) down the line. So I think at three, you can have that discussion with them and they've got that cognitive understanding, even if it's a difficult process, that they understand what it is that you're doing. And it's one of those lessons where it might be difficult, but we're there to nurture him through it. Uh, that's going to lead you into lots of decisions that you make that might be difficult. But I think the really good thing in his case is he has a little teddy. So we're not taking everything away from him. We're just taking one element away from him. And usually I make this um, this sort of movement when I move them out of cots and into beds. So that's sort of like the baby thing and this is now the big boy thing. But it sounds like he's already in his bed. So um, what I would do for a week or two is only restrict it to when he's physically in his bed. So I'm not sure if he still has a day sleep, but that means he would only get it twice in the day. It would literally not be in the car 
or not outside the bed. So it's something that you're actively doing. You're going to get a dummy and give it to him when he goes to sleep and then you're going to take it away in the morning. And I think if we did that for a few weeks, we've eliminated all those incidental dummy uses that you do, like in the car or he's fallen over and he wants to suck it for a little bit. And it allows you to substitute that with some other comforts, like why don't we go and get your teddy and give him a cuddle? Um, Why don't you sit on mummy's knee for a moment? And, and we're slowly giving him other skills that he can use instead of the dummy. And then you have the very bad weekend. So you usually do it on a Friday and you literally say to him the night before, tomorrow it's time for our dummies to go. We're now a big boy, which is this discussion that you've already started. And he will be a little bit sad, but he's got his teddy and we're going to be a little bit gentle on him on that day. But we literally take the dummies and we throw them away. You have to throw them away because otherwise they will hunt the house down for them. Oh, dear. So you have to actually throw them away. And that's just one of those little lessons he's going to learn that he's now a little bit older and he doesn't need it. We're going to throw them away. And that weekend, he's going to need a little bit more to go to sleep, but not more things. So a little extra cuddle, a little bit more time, but don't try and fall into giving other things to comfort him because otherwise you'll you'll end up with the same problem. So he's got his little teddy bear, a little bit more of a cuddle, put him down, a little bit more of a pat and then out of that room like you're probably doing at the moment. And within a day or two, he will have got over it. Yeah, well, good luck with that one, Belinda. Pamela on Facebook has an 18-month-old and she says, help, 18-month-old boobing all night long. Uh, We co-sleep, but lately he's attached on all night long and then there's an emoji with big tears streaming down his face. face or her face? Her face. Pamela, <laughs> I think it's Pamela who's crying. That. He, he's happy. He's like, I got a boot. Yeah. Uh, Catherine also has the same question. So, Catherine and Pamela. Here's your got, answer. Yes, here you go. It's actually a very, very difficult one because you're co sleeping, because you're accessible by the fact that you co sleep. Um, and you're half asleep, he's half asleep, and he sort of knows where to go and what to get, how to get it. So that's one part of this. So I think the fact that he co-sleeps, one of the things that you could do now, he's 18 months, is maybe go and sleep in another room and he co-sleeps with your partner. So it's not taking everything away. It's just taking the breast away from him. Um, and I think this would be the easiest way to do it at, a, at an 18-month-old level. So he's not a little nine-month-old that you can sort of put a big T-shirt on and snuggle them and cuddle them. He's an 18-month-old. He'll, he'll, rip, and, he'll rip and tear <laughs> till he gets to you. So I think to be gentle on both of them, maybe not so much your partner, is I would go and sleep in another room for two to three nights um, if you still wish to co-sleep and then get Dad to co-sleep with him, give him lots of comfort, cuddle him down, and then after two or three nights then you come back into the bed but he might sleep on dad's side of the bed instead of mum's side of the bed and gets used to all of you being back in the bed. And then I think from there, you just have to be strong, but I think the back of it would be broken by that stage. So um, because, uh, well, it sounds like you'd like to keep the co-sleeping part of it, then she's, she's I think got that's another the way. question too, yep. if I can interrupt. She says, what happens when he wakes wanting me? You just, the, your partner would just give him comfort. So cuddles and patting and shushing and putting him down. So the problem is I would keep you in the bed if I felt that you were strong enough for him to, when he's sort of clawing at you, for you to just keep cuddling him. But I think it takes a night or two before he can do that. So, you know, he's very used to this. 
And so he's going to want to get at it as a form of comfort. So I think if you can use your partner to help give that comfort and that soothing, when you come back into the bed, you should be able to follow suit and just comfort and soothe him. But I think your partner might need to help out for a night or two there. And then you can all happily keep co-sleeping. Good luck. Oh, Pamela and Catherine, please feel free to add there if you don't have... uh, someone that you can throw to that doesn't have boobs in the bed. Yeah. Um, <laughs> no, we don't want someone with boobs in the no, bed. No, that's what I mean. I, like, if they, just in case they don't have a partner. Oh, oh okay. A single parent or I anything was gonna like say. that. Maybe... <laughs> I don't know what you do in that case. Maybe we don't need to answer that question, but <laughs> feel free to add more details if that's not going to, if that doesn't quite answer your question. If you don't have a dad next the to you. The answer you can, is you're going to have to just hold and comfort you're him. You're going to have to get like an iron. Bonus. No, you put a, you literally put a <laughs> skivvy on because oh. it's strong enough that they can't get to it. There you go. There's yeah. an option. It's Leave autumn now. Mother. It's autumn now. You can <laughs> sort of skivvy. Sort of. Mothers. I know. To deal with. I know. Good luck, Pamela. And Hopefully, there's someone else, and you can just whoop, up, you know, yeah. up and over. Otherwise, get out the attractive skivvy. Yep, and um, pop it on. <laughs> yeah. Well, see how that goes. See, yep. and, and please feel free to get back in touch next week if it doesn't work out for you. Uh, we have a question from Sarah, whose 22-month-old son is waking up at night, usually once, sometimes twice. Nap in the morning between 4 a.m. and 6 a.m. every day. Oh, my lordy. When he wakes up at night, he screams or calls for mama. I can go in and gently pat, sing for 10 to 15 minutes and he'll go back to sleep. If I let him cry slash scream, he seems to wake up more and is difficult to get back to sleep. Then he wakes up for the day between 4 and 6 with lately the wake up closer to 4. As you can imagine, he's terribly grumpy all day. Until he gets his nap. We've tried to leave him in his bed in the morning until six, but he just starts screaming. When he's up, even at four, he wants to start his day. He naps once a day from noon to 1 p.m. Sometimes he will nap until 1.30 and on a rare occasion until 2. He has the same routine at childcare. He goes to bed pretty easily at 7, generally generally asleep by 7.30. We have a great bedtime routine, bath, books, bed, and he self-settles. Sometimes we check on him a few times if he's calling out, but usually the whole process only takes 30 minutes for him to get to bed with an occasional 8 p.m. if he's feisty that day. My husband and I are exhausted. Mm. Is there any way to get him to sleep through the night and sleep a little bit later in the morning? Or at least sleep consi- sleep consistently until six. Yeah. Also, just to note, he does not get any milk at bedtime or overnight. Sometimes he gets a sip of water before bed, but we try to make it uh, try not to make it a habit. Well, I think you're doing all the right things, but at four o'clock in the morning, he's getting a message that he can get up. So I know it's very difficult at four o'clock in the morning, but he's getting the message that he can start the day at four o'clock in the morning. With such, with a 22 month, I mean, they're big, they can cry. Um, I would be fixing the four to six o'clock window first and then fixing the behavior about you going in and doing the singing, the patting, because I think that innately is what we have to do to get him back to sleep at four. So in a case like this, I would suggest that your partner goes in to settle him at four to six in the morning. And the reason for that is I know he gets more upset but often when the baby sees the more common person who's coming in, and in this case it would be you, at four o'clock in the morning he's like, well, here she comes, we're getting up now, it's wiggles time or whatever time it is. 
And by seeing the other person going in, although they get much more agitated about it, they generally have more success in getting them back to sleep. So that's the logic behind it when you tell your husband (laughs) that Chris suggested you get up at four in the morning. So I'd be fixing that part because he needs to be have more rest before we take away the five to ten minutes of singing and padding that you're doing. So in case of when your partner goes in, we would actually get him to do the same thing that you're doing overnight where he goes in and he lays him down and pats him and sings or hums the same song that you have been doing. And I would do that for a few minutes, then I would walk out for a few minutes and then I'd go back in and repeat it. And the reason that I would fix this bit is because I think this bit's going to take three to five days to fix initially to get him to sleep longer for him to have the energy to then get rid of the association of the rocking and the patting. So once you've got that four to six window um, fixed and six o'clock is consistently reasonable considering he goes down at seven to 7.30, then we need to lessen the amount of patting and singing that you do when he wakes up. So I would be putting my hands on him and shushing and not using my voice, not doing the singing, just putting my hands on him. And then from there, after a few days, I just put my hands on very quickly and then walk out and give him a little bit of time and literally start with a little bit of time. So give him two minutes, then back in, hands on, shush, 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 out, four, six, ten. It's longer. This is going to take longer to do and it's going to be a little bit more painful but it will get there. So I think um, if you take this in steps, you'll find that with the consistency of what you're doing, it will fix the problem than doing something for two nights and then completely reverting back to what you were doing three nights ago. And then he gets confused and so he ups the ante. So I know that's a little bit involved, but hopefully you'll be able to listen to this back, jot down a few points And just take it one step at a time. And then I think with that type of consistency, you'll have him sleeping through. Yes. I highly recommend anyone listening to this advice to put notes down. When I had Chris come and help me with my first, I was so sleep deprived. I didn't know what she was saying. So I had to write it down. Down. Otherwise, I wouldn't have remembered. So anyway, that's a good tip. And we have a message from the previous question. She says, thanks for the reply. My wife has boobs, but they don't work in the way Bub wants. Ah, Perfect. I wonder if that will stop them trying. (laughs) Maybe if I try hard enough, mum's boobs (laughs) will work. Yeah, Mm. But yeah, just swap. Doesn't matter. It's not your problem anymore. Yeah, you go and sleep (laughs) in another room. Chris Minogue and Helpline on Feed Play Love will be back answering your questions right after this. Sometimes parenting can be challenging and sometimes it can be a downright laugh. The wonderful thing about being a kid is having wonderment in your eyes, looking at the world and going... We've all pushed our children's poo (laughs) down the drain. (laughs) Either way, it's fun to share stories with people who really understand the joys and sorrows of raising small children. I'm Siobhan Hunt and The Parent Panel is a weekly podcast I host where we invite a mum and a dad to discuss the events and stories of the week. The Parent Panel, available wherever you get your podcasts. Now, back to your questions with Helpline and Chris Minogue. Uh, This question comes from Kate. She um, has their 19 weeks, 11 week corrected twins. Yep, so seven weeks, boom. She's from Perth. Hello from Perth. Uh, I have twin boys, 19 weeks. Yeah, I just said that. One of our boys was hit with the four month sleep regression and is now only sleeping two hour stretches. He wakes starving even if he has finished his bottle with a suitable amount two hours before. 
Any advice for this tired family? Right. Okay. So they're 11 weeks old, seven weeks prem. The difficulty with such a big um, premature window of seven weeks is usually when I give advice, I have to work out where they are sitting in corrected age. So what this means is, yes, they're sitting at 11 weeks, but they may not be acting like 11-week-old babies. Oh, I see what you mean. Right. So as premature babies develop through the first year, they're obviously going to catch up that premature rate. So when I do a consultation with PREMS, I have to sit there and say, if they were 19 weeks old or 20 weeks old, they would be doing this, this and this. And if they were 11 weeks old, they'd be doing this, this and this. And the mother usually is able to say, oh, they're doing more than the 11-week-old baby, but they're not quite doing whatever the 19-week-old baby might be doing. And that gives me an idea of the information to give you. So if I felt that they had corrected some of that behaviour and they were acting around that four months because you were saying that he has um, started to regress in his sleep, the other thing that is is sticking out here is that about the feeding. So the first thing I'd do is go back and look at the way he's feeding and how much he's taking. So I think for this one, I need a little bit more information about how much he's taking in the bottles and how frequently he's taking them. Because sometimes if we adjust those amounts and the timing, it adjusts everything. So in the actual answer, we want a, a good gap in the day of about three to three and a half hours. And overnight, he should be able to do a six to eight hour window generally somewhere in that night. Um, and if we've got the milk right in the day, we can then go, okay, if you've had this much, then I know for the next four hours, I can settle you by rocking, patting, um, giving him some comfort. So if I had a little bit more information, I could probably give a much bigger answer um, okay. But if he's feeding well enough for you during the day, five feeds um, of four months would be around the 150 mil mark. Then I would think for the next four to six hours from when you put him down, I would be resettling him, let him cry for a few minutes, go in, give him a pat cuddle. If, it, if he gets too worked up, cuddle him, give him a cuddle and calm him down, then pop him back down in his bed again and give a bit more patting. But if I had a little bit more information, I think I could give you a little bit more guidance. Okay. So just to recap, what if, if Kate can get in touch now, what do you need from her? I need to know how frequently they feed in the day and how much they're taking in the day and how long do they stay awake for before she feels they're ready for sleep. Okay, so And that if, would give me a lot of information. Excellent. So, Kate, if you're watching us via Facebook Live now, pop that information under your comment. We'll go, we'll go sure. to the next one to give you time to write it. Um, and, um, and then we'll go back. And then we'll come back. Now, if you don't get this because the babies have distracted you, um, maybe email it to us and we'll address yeah. the question properly next week. So, That'd be perfect. Good? Okay, so our next question comes from Josie. My daughter will turn three in two months. She's a bit touch and go with day naps, but I don't think she's necessarily ready to drop them. She's still in a cot. On a good day, she can sleep from 1 till 3.30. However, a couple of times a week, she'll either take ages to fall asleep, singing and talking loudly in her cot, or won't sleep at all. Of her five days at home, she probably sleeps well for about three naps. At daycare, she probably sleeps one out of two days, but for much shorter, 45 minutes. I've just started allowing her to have some books in her cot during the day nap to try and keep her quiet so she doesn't wake her four-month-old sister next door. She generally goes down pretty well at seven. 
p.m. There's often quite a lot of delay tactics around bath, books and bed, but once we actually get out of the room at 7 p.m., she's quiet. We're gearing up to transition her out of the cot and into a proper bed. Should I start off with nap times only or just transition all at once? If she's not tired enough at nap time, I'm worried she'll just associate bed with fun and being able to walk around. When she does give up her nap, I'd like to continue the idea of quiet time in her bed with some books. Any tips for making this transition? So at three and two months, I think the problem is she is having naps. I think that is overall. But what because the naps are so varied at the moment, what I would do is start to create a pattern where she sleeps at the same time every day to regulate her sleep before you get rid of naps. But I think that's coming and I think it's coming sooner than you wish for or hope for, as <laughs> most parents with three-year-olds would probably have the same thought. So I think, does it mention when she gets up in the morning? Probably around 6, 6.30 if she goes to bed at 7. With um, a three-year-old, you would need them awake by 2 o'clock and then they need to be awake for five and a half hours before they'll go down. So that explains all the sort of talking in her bed and laying in her bed and playing in her bed. And it also explains the delay tactics that you see in at 7 o'clock when you put her down. So if she gets up at three o'clock, she's not actually ready for sleep until about 8, 8.30, which again explains the delay tactics she's doing. So I think before we do anything, we regulate her sleep. And so I would put her in her room from one to two and whether she played in there from one to two or whether she slept from one to two, that is her time and she needs to be up from, from two o'clock. That will regulate her. Then you'll put her down more. We would put her, I would put her down more at 7.30 than 7 o'clock. Okay, so you'd get your little one down at, say, 7 or 6.37. And then you have a little bit of time with her, with her stories and her cuddles and a talk about the day and all those sorts of things. And I think if you put her down at 7.30, she'll go straight to sleep and she'll sleep even better again. So that's regulating. And I'd regulate her sleeping for about a week to 10 days and see what fixes itself. And and you might be able to keep that little window of one to two o'clock in the afternoon for a little while. And it would incidentally become stories. So you put her in there from one till two and she'll either sleep or she will just play with her books and you get her up. If she's had no sleep, I'd put her to bed at seven. If she's had sleep, I'd put her to bed at 7.30. Okay. Once you've got that settled, then I transition her to a bed. Okay. So that we've got a nice little consistent pattern going. And from the consistent pattern, you're only changing the bed. And you literally order the bed. The bed goes in on, I don't know, on a Saturday morning. The cot goes out. And literally, you put it down at one o'clock. And you say, you need to sit on your bed. And mummy will come back at two o'clock. And whether she plays or whether she sleeps on her bed, then you'll find that she'll make that transition really easily. Put her back down at 7.30. That'll make it easier for the transition. She'll be tired enough. She'll lay down. She'll go to sleep. So therefore, she's done well. And, And I think there'll be more consistency if you follow this little pattern. So regulation, then the transition into her bed. If after a few nights she gets off her bed, because everybody attempts that, then walking her back without talking and just saying it's time for sleep is the easiest thing to do. Don't try and engage her in too much of a conversation because otherwise it'll be like sitting on the UN board and negotiating this and that and what and when. But if that does happen, I'd say it's time to get rid of her day sleep. And then I think you'll have a very easy transition into her bed.
Mm-hmm. Well, good luck with that, Josie. We have some more in- information from Kate. Kate. Um, some development definitely at their actual age. Yeah. Their feeding is variable. Sometimes they have 120 mils, sometimes 150 mils. Yeah. Through the night, he has solidly 120 mils every feed. More than that is hard for him to finish and he falls asleep. That's right, because he's getting too much overall. So if they're acting more their actual age of four months, then they only require one feed overnight. So if he's having a couple of feeds overnight of 120, he won't feed properly in the day because he's too full from the night. So he might have 360 mils overnight and his total for the whole day might only be 500 mils. And this is where it gets um, more difficult. So in the day, um, we're going to try and look at the teat size. So making sure you've got the right size teat on. Feeding him every three to three and a half hours in the day, roughly, given that time frame. Um, try the 150 in the day. And then if you can, at the moment you won't be able to, but a bigger bottle in the evening, say a 180 in the evening. And then what you have to do is start reducing the night feeds. So what you do with the night feeds is the first wake up he does, you resettle him. The second wake up, which has to be more than an hour, you feed him 120 mils. And then if he woke up one more time, you only give him about 50 mils and then you settle him through to the morning. You do that for two nights. Then after that, you resettle him to about one or two in the morning. You give him 120 mils and then you have to resettle him till six in the morning. And then a few days later, usually about three days, we're going to see whether he's feeding better in the day and he naturally sleeps longer for you in the night. And I've got to say, um, we did a little podcast with Chris and um, Chris was giving advice. It was the promise of sleep and she was giving advice to one family. And I I listened to all their issues and I was like, (laughs) oh my God, how is she going to work this out? And it was the same thing. It was literally fixing... The, the milk feeding. feeds throughout the day. Now, I couldn't, I mean, it's probably logical when you think about it, but I couldn't believe that was what was disturbing his sleep. Well, that's where you've got to start. Yeah. And some of it will be behaviour because he's been doing it for a little while. And the beauty of twins is she's got the control child who's sort of doing what she thinks she's <laughs> I hope so. meant to be doing because she's only talking about one of the children here. So it means that she's basically on the right track mm-hmm. and something's out. And the most consistent thing there is the feeding. So look at your feeding first and then we'll come back. And if there's a bit of settling that needs to be done, we'll be able to do it. So treat them like a four-month-old. All right, Kate says she's going to try it over the next few nights. Good, oh, good, good luck, work. Kate. Um, this comes, the next question comes from Elise. She has a seven-week-old. Uh, seven-week-old has 41-minute catnaps during the day and wakes up and unable to be settled back to the next cycle without either being in a pram, car, or in someone's arms throughout the sleep cycle. Any tips for supporting him to sleep through his cycle to get some much-needed sleep? Hi, Elise. I think that when I see this with very young babies, it's because it's got something to do with the sleep and settle cueing than it's got to do with anything. So a a seven-week-old during the day could feed anywhere between three and four hourly. Um, It's sort of still sliding one way or the other. Uh, They generally, you have to be really careful with their um, sleep cue signs, so when they get tired. So I think he would be getting tired around an hour and a quarter. I'd be watching him there and seeing if he's ready for bed. Uh, So jerking movement, whinging, disengaging, so turning his head to one side, not giving you eye-to-eye contact. They are classic signs of needing to go to sleep. 
The most common thing I see after that, because most parents can catch that window, is the way they put them to sleep. So often at seven weeks, um, one of two things have happened. One, you're still rocking him. So he needs to be rocked when he wakes up. And the second one is that lots of people have stopped wrapping and they might have put them into swaddles and it's too soon for the baby. So if I go back to the basics, I'd still be wrapping him. I'd wrap his arms to his body. So whichever way is most comfortable for him, wrap his arms to his body. But the key to this is then cooling and calming the room down. So nice temperature in the room, dimming that room down, not a back cave, but just dimming the room down putting him down in the bed awake and tuck him in. And then when he cries, go back and settle him. So we're giving him the message that we go down, we're awake, and then we go to sleep. And this helps him when he transitions after a sleep cycle because he's already in the bed, the room is dim and quiet, and we need to put him down, put our hands on him and give him a little bit of gentle rock pat depending on what he's in until he's calm and quiet if he gets himself worked up pick him up give him a cuddle and repeat the process so this to me sounds like a little baby that's got himself a little bit overtired and lots of people are helping out we've got arms you know so it goes to sleep in arms but actually what we need is just a couple of days of consistency of putting him down and just bringing his arms to his body is going to help him stay asleep once he is asleep and a cool calm quiet environment all right. We have another uh, time for one last question from Kat <laughs> with an 18-month-old. How can I stop sitting next to my 18-month-old as she goes to sleep? I do nothing else sit except for sit there, no padding or talking. I just sit there. <laughs> At 12 months, she started becoming hysterical when I left the room and now won't fall asleep without me. It's fine before bed and naps, but it's causing issues when she wakes up several times Times per night. Please help. (laughs) It's a lot of sitting, isn't it? So with 18-month-olds, I'd just start moving yourself away from the cot. So I'd start sitting in the middle of the room for a good few days. Then I'd start sitting at the door. Now, when I get to the door, I'd probably start shushing her so that when she wakes up at night, you can just go to the door and shush her back to sleep. It sounds easy. But 18-month-olds are very wise about where you're sitting. So when you move away from her, it's like she can judge the distance that you moved away from her. So I think you just have to go to the middle of the room and then just put your head down. And if she's calling out a little bit, all you do is shush her until she calms and quietens. And then you'll move to the door. It's going to take you about a week to get to the door. And then from there, when she wakes up at night, I just go to the door and I would shush her from the door. And she will object to that. She will not find that easy, but after a few nights, she'll hear your voice and she'll feel better and she'll start to hopefully, fingers crossed, link those sleeps together. Well, good luck, Kat, and um, thank you, everyone, for your questions. That's all we have time for on Helpline and this episode of Feed, Play, Love. If you're watching along live on the Babyology Facebook page. Big thank you to you and all your questions. If you've been listening to us via podcast but would like to ask Chris your questions live, you can join us every Friday at 11.30am Australian Eastern Daylight Savings Time on the Babyology Facebook page. Just search for Babyology on Facebook and we'll be there. You can write your questions in the comment section or call in on our helpline hotline which is one 800 And Chris, thanks so much for your time today. Pleasure. This has been Helpline on Feed, Play, Love, hosted by me, Siobhan Hunt. 
If you want to ask Chris your questions for the next episode, you can email them to us directly. The email is helpline at theparentbrand.com.au. Next time on Feed, Play, Love, we're talking about picture books and why being inclusive doesn't have to be a moral lesson. A lot of the stories that represent our families are quite message-driven and maybe quite earnest or they have titles like My Mum's Got Married or Facing the Bullies at School or something. And you can sort of sniff those um, storylines from a mile off. You know, they're not that interesting for us having gay parents because it's just our parents, you know. It's not a big deal. That's Maya Newell, director of the documentary Gaby Baby, talking about why her latest venture is a picture book for kids. That's on the next episode of Feed, Play, Love. This podcast is produced by Elise Cooper and hosted by me, Siobhan Hunt.